Is network automation just provisioning of equipment? That's what most of us think when we think of network automation, but there is more to the story than that. Anything within the scope of networking where we can reduce manual processes falls under the umbrella of automation. Our sponsor today is NetBrain, and we're going to discuss network automation from the standpoint of fixing problems, how a tool that deeply understands network topology can help you get to the bottom of a ticket without you having to query interfaces device to device while you troubleshoot. Joining us from NetBrain are Jason Boudreau, VP of Marketing, and Chris as Senior Technical Marketing Engineer. Okay, NetBrain, you guys, I think this is the first time you've ever been on Packet Pushers Heavy Networking. So first of all, welcome NetBrain. Um, I've known about your product for a long time, so it's nice to have you here. Uh, And Jason, starting with you, for folks that maybe don't know what NetBrain is all about, give us the elevator pitch, man. What, uh, What is NetBrain? What do you guys do? Okay, absolutely. Thanks, Ethan. That's a good intro. I think that kind of steers the conversation. A little bit of background, NetBrain. Yeah, we've been around for, for 15 years. So, Ethan, we've we've known you for, for a number of years. Uh, we came from a network documentation problem. Uh, so, we introduced dynamic mapping, dynamic network mapping as an alternative at the time to static network diagrams. Uh, so, this is kind of our roots. The need for documentation and really visibility has only increased over the last several years as Networks are transitioning right towards towards SDN, SD-WAN, cloud, right? All these things are now being stitched together. And so the visibility gap end-to-end is a complex problem, right? So, so the documentation remains uh, the roots of NetBrain, automated documentation. We call that dynamic mapping. Today, we have over 2,500 enterprise customers. And over the last five years in particular, we've really been focusing on network automation, like you, like you teed it up in the introduction. Uh, we view automation as a tool. And we look at applying that tool to areas where it's most needed and maybe where it's underutilized today, where the majority of tasks today remain manual. And when I say manual, I'm really referring to the command line digging and I'm referring to day two operations and things like troubleshooting, security response, maintaining network uptime, things like that. So, so just to focus on the dynamic mapping just for a minute, since that is a, a really core value proposition of yours, you know, my memory was of NetBrain from the, some times that I, uh, I, I gave it a good long try. Layer two mapping, layer three mapping, then you get device end in and you can kind of see flows and visualize flows through your network between endpoints device by device. And it would tell you this is how this packet or frame got from one end of the network to the other. And again, that dynamic mapping, as the network topology changed, you could see from any point in time how flows were making it from one part of your network to another. Is that, my memory's pretty good there? Yep, your memory is very good there. And today that remains kind of one of the, the key reasons why customers are finding us. They're still trying to solve this, this problem of understanding how traffic flows across their network, particularly for reasons of troubleshooting, on, on, you know, troubleshooting maybe a slow application as those applications are moving into the cloud. So behind all that, NetBrain is creating basically a mathematical model of the network. You know, you mentioned topology and understanding of the topology, but with that also comes an understanding of the underlying network design, underlying basically thousands of data points for every single device that's been discovered so that NetBrain can then baseline those. And those are all taken through through CLI, uh, through basically parsing CLI data in real time and maintaining a, a baseline of that data as the network changes over time. So with that model, NetBrain can now basically mimic how traffic is going to flow across the network and create these dynamic maps of of end-to-end traffic flows on the fly. All right. So, but we're jumping off of that platform, that base, all the things that NetBrain has discovered about the network, as you put it, thousands of data points per node. And then uh, now we're able to do some automation by saying, okay, there's a problem in the network and you can uh, give me information from the network. Is that's, that's the value prop that you're trying to share here. 
Yep, absolutely. You know, the, the real question is when you're troubleshooting an issue, we're trying to shrink the time down. You know, everybody talks about mean time to repair, but that's absolutely our focus at NetBrain is reducing that mean time to repair. And, and within that, there's this, this concept we call mean time to identify, identify the root cause. So our, we're laser focused on shrinking that MTTI, mean time to identify. And, and we use automation. We call it NetBrain mm-hmm. automation or sometimes adaptive automation to, to collect and analyze data to answer questions, sometimes we talk, talk, talk about like hypothesis-based troubleshooting. You have a hypothesis of what could be going wrong, and you need to find information to address that hypothesis. Automation can get you those answers. I think the uh, the data model that that we retrieve and that we build this 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 is really the key the key to our solution. It's 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 our secret sauce, right? And it's it's what allowed us to do this uh, you know dynamic mapping, but it also allows us to do not only this dynamic visibility but this adaptive automation because the the, the way to look at it is we're grabbing just a lot of data from your devices, right? So we're we're building the the, the graph tree, we're grabbing your configurations, we're grabbing the state of variety of control plane uh, variables and things, and we're grabbing your your network condition, the CPU. And, and a lot of other data points. So once we build this data lake, we, we have a whole lot of pieces that we can manipulate. We can manipulate to show visibility. We can manipulate to do some type of a design review or a troubleshooting investigation. But it's 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 the core that that allows us to 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 you know, basically leverage all these uh, uh, DevOps functionalities. Hmm. So, see, Ethan, what I like about this is you know we're talking about how NetBrains transitioning from. In in my mind, at least, because I've been tracking NetBrain much more at a distance, is this dynamic documentation, which is really useful because you don't have to change anything in your network. It takes your network as is and then tells you what's there. It's much more effective than where you know doing layers in a Visio or an OmniGraphle document. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And now what we're doing is pivoting that into a much more active part of the automation process, in the sense that. I can now get much more involved with the identification of a problem in the network, say by tracing a packet in the network or something like that. Is that where we're headed? Yeah, I think exactly. Uh, you know, it's it armed with all that rich information we're talking about, the underlying visibility. You know, the, the natural evolution that we came to conclusion is how do you use this information to solve real problems? And 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 when when the network is down, every, every minute counts. This is where you need answers to those questions, and so we try to augment the the existing troubleshooting process that happens within a typical enterprise organization, maybe hundreds or even thousands of times a day for all those trouble you know trouble tickets and incidents, maybe service now tickets, and and integrate those two things we've been discussing, visibility and automation, into those existing workflows, those troubleshooting workflows. I think maybe a way to help get this in our brains is to walk through a, a story, maybe like a like a case study kind of a thing. Cause because here's where I'm getting stuck. So I can like 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 you mentioned Visio before. Okay, so if I'm in troubleshooting, one of the things I might do is, you know, pull out my Visio diagrams. I know they're probably a little stale, but I it's this thing I can look at that kind of help gives me some context, helps me when I'm troubleshooting. If I've moved on to NetBrain and dynamic dynamic mapping, I know that I've got a map that is up to date and current anyway. And so that's better. But I'm still looking at this thing on the screen that's a that's a map but what you're talking about here helping do troubleshooting and automating helping automate that process is beyond that i'm not simply referring to something that's been discovered that there's more involvement here so maybe walk us through what's really going on by way of a story yeah, let's try that. So I think one way that we talk, talk about this with customers, right, is uh, we look at the life cycle of an incident. We, we know that there is hundreds of these happening within an organization every day, but we take one, one example of an incident and we break it down into a few critical phases. There, there's really three. One, the detection of a problem. Two, the identification of the root cause of that problem. And then three, the fix. 
a detect, identify, fix. And there's a suite of tools that are focused on the detect phase, right? Your 24 by 7 monitoring, your security information event management, um, and then reporting on those problems, you know, ticketing solutions like ServiceNow, BMC Remedy. So the detect phase, there's a lot of innovation over there. And the fix phase at the end, there's a lot of innovation over there, right? Applying changes, uh, Ansible, you know, typical network automation. But the, that identify phase in the middle, again, that's what we're talking about. So so let's break that down, the identify phase. What's happening? And and we talk to our customers, and, and it's, this is true across every organization. There's usually a human that opens a ticket with a problem, and that human has some, um, you know, it, you know, typically it's a, a, t- a tier one engineer and they have a typical troubleshooting type of runbook that they go through and they may or may not find the problem. And in which case they, if they don't, that they'll escalate that, right? They'll pull in more team members. They might escalate it to a tier two, or they might pull in the application or security team. So now there's, there's more people involved. And as more people get involved, there's a repetition of different types of steps and works and diagnostics that are happening. Um, so, and, and what I didn't mention is before the human engineer even arrives on the scene, there's this idle time. So you, you, you take the idle time, you take the first engineer um, response time, you take this collaboration time, these three phases are really what's happening every time uh, a team is troubleshooting. And, and basically, to reduce mean time to repair, reduce mean time to identify, we have to tackle these three phases uh, in parallel with automation. Okay, so just to focus on the identify part, you're talking about something's broken, and on the identify part, I'm trying to figure out what it is that's broken. And so when you throw a network engineer at the problem, assuming they've got a good familiarity with the network, they might think, what's the problem? Okay, it's, you know, this particular issue. Okay, that maybe that means router five has got a flapping interface or whatever they might think. And then they go, they begin to work on that idea, start logging into things and seeing what's going on. So it's that whole, what is really the problem? The identification process that you're zeroing in on, you're trying to make that part of the problem happen more quickly. Absolutely. Yeah, exa- exactly. So, so let's let's take even just the, the first simple step that you're going to have to do because you know as we know as network engineers, no matter what the issue is, I'm I'm trying to determine is a packet uh, delayed or dropped, uh, you know, a- across the wire, right? Is 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 a device dropping it because it's got some configuration issue or CPU or resource issue? Is is an interface dropping it due to you know some kind of a you know an error on the line or congestion or, or whatever it is, right? So before I, I do anything, I have to number one first you know decide where I'm going to start looking. So I, I have some event, I get a source, a destination, an IP address, hopefully. Uh, and and it's, this sounds easy, right? But if you've got an environment, say, with VRFs and multi-context firewalls, and maybe you're reusing uh, some pools of IPs across multiple VRFs. So, so just having the IP isn't always helpful. So I have to dig down, or maybe I'm having to look at my CMDB to try to figure out where do I start. So now I've got some place to start, the next step I have to do is build out this path end to end. So I, 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 I can look at a, a, a diagram, but that's, that's not helpful. That's not going to show me real time. That's going to show me maybe how it was at design, but it's not going to show me what it is right now today. So I'm going to have to do this manual process, hop by hop, get ingress uh, interface, egress interface, and, and it, just draw this path. Like, forget about looking at uh, problems. I just have to draw that path, right? Just understand where, where you know, the routing is taking me. If there's policy-based routing, am I leaking verfs through a firewall context? I have to build all this out. So that can be, you know, my last role. It, it could be 45 minutes just, just to get that path. And now the next step I have to do is just this basic triage. I have to go through and are, are any of those devices in the path experiencing uh, some type of resource issue, a memory or, or, or you know, CPU ultimately? And, and then lastly, are any of the interfaces dropping uh, packets for any reason, right? Then I have to do those checks. So I'm, 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 you know, running essentially a, 
you know, maybe a dozen or more CLI commands on, you know, across six, seven nodes in, in a path just to, just to, you know, start looking at a problem, right? So that, that's easily an hour of effort. Meanwhile, there's some type of impact or some type of condition that, that's, that's, you know, negative for, for, for my business, right? Dropping packets. I mean, it's selectively providing the opportunity to experience retransmission. Isn't that what you meant? <laughs> <laughs> opportunity. Uh, okay. Right. I mean, you very, in a detailed way, just walk through all the potential problems that you might go through there to uh, trying to identify the problem. So, yeah. Sorry to interrupt you, Tim, but there's one thing that you that you said that I want to I want to highlight, which is you said assuming the person who's responding understands the network. And you know, typical IT teams are are very large, and and the person maybe that that architected that network understands the ins and outs, but they're not always the the first tier response. So, we, we, and then Chris talked about basically testing a series of hypotheses. Could this be going on? Could this be going on? Those are things that oftentimes comes with with experience, and we call that tribal knowledge. So. So there's an element of doing things faster, but there's also an element of knowing what things to do. Uh, so there's a knowledge and then there's a, a manual you know, diagnostic at, at work here. And we think these two things have to come together, the know-how and the automation to, to basically enable teams to, to do better. That is exactly what I wanted to dig in on because because of that, what you said, tribal knowledge. Okay, the person that's been there for you know ten years, they've built a lot of the network. They have this gut instinct about what's going on in the network at any given time, and if something's wrong, they get this instinct and like, oh, yeah. I bet that's the whatever, and then they go yeah. log into the thing, and a lot of times they can knock that problem out really quickly, but. You know, if you got a year of experience, you're still somewhat new to the environment, and most of it was built before you. You don't have that background with which to have that instinct. So, yeah. so, so you're, what you're saying is, NetBrain can kind of point me to that tribal knowledge in some way because you're gathering data points or some such. Yeah. So the way I, I use the common analogy, troubleshooting is like finding a needle in a haystack, right? But maybe there's 50 haystacks, and you know, the tribal expert might know. Let's check haystacks, you know, A, B, or C instead of X, Y, or Z. So they'll 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 have an intuition, but a typical tier one engineer might not. So how do we take the knowledge that's happening uh, maybe at a tier three level or an architect level and shift that towards a, a more junior engineer? We call that uh, the concept of shifting knowledge to the left. We say left because we mean a workflow progresses from left to right up the up the escalation chain. So knowledge or, or the workload, you actually want to shift it the other way from from right to left from the architect who knows the network inside and out, the knowledge, and let that architect basically codify his troubleshooting process. And we have a technology for that. We call it a, a runbook. You know, we call it a NetBrain, an executable runbook where they can, can document their troubleshooting process, but more importantly, make that process executable because we're talking about automation here today. Um, so, so it's really through this runbook, um, this executable runbook technology that we're allowing that, that senior engineer to shift that workload to the left and and with that comes knowledge and automation. Uh, okay, so if if I'm the architect, let's say, and I have a great deal of familiarity with the network, I kind of know the things that tend to go wrong. I can codify the steps I would normally take during that situation to verify what's going on in the form of a NetBrain runbook. And that yeah. runbook is now basically my brain transferred into this process. Someone down, you know, on the on the front lines, if you will, triaging this problem could run that runbook, gather the information that I would have been gathering based on my tribal knowledge, and uh, and then have that information in hand to begin diagnosing the problem. Exactly, and, and typically, I mean, that's what a runbook is, or some organization call those playbooks or, or wikis. So, so we're not inventing, you know, reinventing the concept of, of sharing knowledge. But what happens is, in most organizations, those those runbooks are in a, a binder. Those binders are in a dusty corner of an, of an office somewhere. And the question is, are they accessible? Are they are they actually used? So we try to, you know, 
put this information at the fingertips. And there's different tools and levers that we can pull within within our solution, like offering up recommended actions and things like that to to be able to provide those answers. My three-wing binder with my run book is not dusty. I keep it in a shelf that's got a cover, and it keeps the dust out. So <laughs> there you I haven't go. looked at it in forever, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, just so just give like a, a simple example of, again, just it was MTU is something we, we all understand as network engineers. So I, I work for an uh, Internet of Things uh, IoT service provider, and we had to do essentially custom MTUs uh, for, for our customers. Some customers, you know, had more encapsulations because they're, you know, doing VPN from, you know, cellular device through our environment over to their data center, others or you know doing different things and so we had uh, hundreds of customers you know, a lot of ranges of MTU values for their specific path through our environment and, and their, you know, dedicated interfaces and so on. So if we had some, one of these customers call up, say, hey, I'm, I'm getting some slowness or some packet loss or some issue, and you just look at the interface and go, oh, well, it's, you know, it's doing a normal MTU. I, I don't know that that's a problem, right? Maybe I better kick it upstream to my my design engineer and wait for, you know, uh, him or her to have time to look at this. Or or maybe I've got a, a runbook that just tells me, hey, here's the list of IoT customers. Here's their, you know, their, their dedicated interfaces and, and, and here's the expected value, overlay this on the map, have it highlight if the value is wrong, and then you know, immediately and visually I'm, I'm able to uh, ascertain a, a, you know, a misconfiguration here rather than kicking this upstream. So that, that's you know, a pretty straightforward example. Mm-hmm. We can obviously get much more complex with you know, the types of designs and things that we can, we can look at um, from configuration and telemetry from the environment. But uh, you know, that, that's one example of, of, of where you need to pass that knowledge downstream to prevent those escalations upstream. Now, there's still been a lot of uh, human interaction here. Um, you know, that is, yeah. hey, I've got a problem. I'm a human that's been that's now facing this problem. I've been made aware of it, so I'm going to uh, click a runbook in our most recent example. But is there automation where a NetBrain might, uh, through knowledge of streaming telemetry or something happening on the network where it's out of norms, maybe gather some information for me uh, before I even know there's a problem? Yeah, so we, we do. We have this concept uh, that we actually call a, a golden baseline of, of your network. And, and because at the top of the podcast, we talked about how NetBrain's collecting and analyzing data you know, across thousands of different data points for every device, right? So with that data, we can also do a trend analysis on that data and create some sort of a uh, interpretation of what's normal in your network. You know, and, and I mean, at a very, very granular level to the, to the CLI output of a specific field level, what's normal within your network. And, and so if there's sort of a, a variation from that, we can basically raise an alarm, and we call it a golden baseline alert, to say that there's a, there's a deviation. It's, it doesn't necessarily mean that there's a problem or an end user experiencing it, but you should be aware that there's something that's, that's different. It's changed from us. Let's just park there for a second because you said something with that granular and then you gave an example that I was not expecting. You said, you know, like a parameter on the CLI, a config stanza with a, with a parameter that's different than what's normal. So it's not just a baseline, like I'm used to seeing go across this link, these kinds of traffic flows, or, you know, it's, it's the configuration on this device has deviated from the standard golden uh, image, the golden norm. And I'm raising an alert to let you know that this is a thing that's happened. So maybe, uh, yeah, just just describe some more of those kind of things that NetBrain is is aware of and could trigger when it's out of out of norm. Yeah. So, uh, and Chris, feel free to jump in with examples too. But you know, one example would be as as simple as um, uh, a show interface command on a on a Cisco router would yield a series of uh, type of errors, input errors, output errors, CRC errors, collisions, and you know, we would know as engineers that those errors probably shouldn't be incrementing up. Uh, and so the golden baseline with the NetBrain would also understand that. So let's take CRC as an example. But if CRC is, is actually incrementing, 
um, that would actually trigger a golden baseline alert because that one field, CRC, within that one command show interface within that one router type, you know, Cisco IOS, would, um, would annotate that field as a deviation. So that's what I meant at the top of the hour when I was saying um, thousands of different data points. So, so the secret sauce underneath this is NetBrain has CLI access to every device. And uh, we have a technology we call parsers where we basically parse out thousands of data points from all the different types of common CLI commands from every one of those devices and then use every one of those granular parsed data bits as a, as a field to trigger on uh, to understand the, the baseline of that. You mean you're not using the standard network interface API that all the vendors have collaborated around to give us a unified view into what our network looks like? Ha ha. <laughs> Is that SNMP? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, you know, from our perspective, answered the, you know, we look at, again, back to what we're talking about automation and, and augmenting what engineers are doing today. Uh, what are they doing today when they're troubleshooting? Actually, 75% of the time, they're only using the CLI. The other 25% of the time, they're using CLI and some other type of tool, like you're talking about. Oh, SNMP. I thought you were going to say Visio. <laughs> well, they're using. They might be right, but it's probably out of date. <laughs> but that's why we're, and it's over there. And, and believe me, they are. <laughs> Sorry, we were having a discussion yesterday. Someone was saying, "I've got you know, blah blah blah. How should I do this?" I'm going like, "You shouldn't. You should just use a mapping tool." But anyway, <laughs> I mean, that's that's number one, right? We we talked about that. That's you need that as that reference tool. Ooh, but yeah, yeah. but but alongside that, you're always going to pull up the CLI. So we're not trying to replace the CLI. We're trying to augment the, the tasks that engineers are already doing on the CLI. Not one device at a time, not one command at a time, but across the network and and, and to kind of guide people through that. So that's why that's why we focus on CLI automation for diagnostics. Yeah, and, and, and of course, a lot of work has to be put into this to be able to provide that automation, right? Because so, so the way to think about it is if you were to devise, to, to devise some solution that says, hey, I want to automate uh, NetOps day-to-day -day tasks. I, I don't know in advance what those tasks will, will be. Uh, so, so how am I going to prepare? So, so the way we, we prepare is, is we you know, build this data model, right? So we grab configuration, we grab state telemetry, we grab configuration telemetry, we build that graph tree, we can even pull in data from, from other tools. And so now we, we basically have this data lake that has everything we could possibly need to, to you know, take a look at whatever issue that it is you're wanting to look at. Is it is it problem resolution? Are we trying to drive down MTTR and, and reduce our incident response? Are we doing a security response or documentation or inventory management or policy enforcement? It, it doesn't matter. These are all these day-to-day -day network operations tasks and so we we have to design an engine that's going to be able to you know essentially uh, be adaptive and, and accommodate any of these tasks and and it's kind of it's, it's like jason said so we we've distilled down to these you know what we we can refer to as these uh, discrete you know adaptive automation atomic units right with these these individual parsers so so for example you've got a, a series of equipment you might have cisco you might have fortinet you might have palo alto and each of these are going to have their different operating systems uh, cisco ios cisco I ios xr xe 40 os uh, junos you know wh whatever it is right and then each of these operating systems has a variety of features you know ipv6 ipsec bgp and then from each of those that have a variety of cli commands that can be run and then in each of those cli command outputs there's a, a plethora of data, right? So, you know, for example, you run the command show IP BGP all, you, know, you, you get the, you know, local AS, you get your neighbor ID, you get your remote AS, you get your, you know, prefix received, uh, you know, you get all these, these parameters. So we've, we've created parsers for, for these, you know, essentially these variables, these parameters, and these become, you know, units that you can manipulate, right? You can, you can manipulate them for dynamic visibility. You can manipulate them for a golden baseline, uh, uh, like, like Jason described. So we know something is varied, uh, like, oh, hey, across this link, we have a different number of prefixes received 
uh, from our BGP peer. Why is that right? H highlight that for me so that I'm aware of some, something going on. So th that that's that's the work that was put into this product to 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 enable uh, you know just day to day network operations to to be automated. You must have an army of people that's doing nothing but looking at <laughs> updates in network operating systems and writing parser <laughs> updates to, uh, to keep up. My goodness, we, true. <laughs> we do. And, and frankly, I mean, with, with new equipment coming on the market, we do have to let our customers lead us a little bit, too. So so we have a platform that's very adaptive to creating these parsers. We can we can write one of these in a matter of, you know, an hour or two, not not a day or a month or, you know, or two. So hmm. so the framework of our product has to be incredibly flexible such that when a new product comes online within our customer base, we can work with them to understand, you know, what are the commands you're using? What's the data you need to get from those commands? And we can we can turn out a parser in, in a matter of hours. So now we got off on this, how you guys gather information, all the kind of information you gather was been a great little rabbit trail to go down because <laughs> yeah. it really sets some more context for, for the kind of the power of what you could do here. As you're gathering that information and you notice that deviation kind of going back to this part of the, the information gathering story, is it automated where you notice some sort of a deviation mm -hmm. and then go and gather a bunch of information for me, you know, again, before I as the engineer even know there's a problem or is it mm -hmm. um, like I need to set up triggers that say, hey, if you see this go out of, you know, out of norm by this percentage, mm -hmm. then I want you to do X. If I could, yeah, so a good, great question, Ethan. So if we could go back to, the, we talked at the beginning of the, kind of the life cycle of an incident, we talked about detect, identify, and then there's the fix. So so if we, if I could use that same framework to answer that question, uh, we actually create this model, we call it a reference workflow, try to understand our customer's workflow. So at the very first thing that happens is there's a, there's a ticket, there's a problem, and someone has to respond. And we talked about that idle time before a human is able to respond to that ticket. So what happens in between ticket created or, or alert detected and a human arrives on scene? So that we view this as an opportunity for automation. There's actually three opportunities for automation. The first one is, is that we call this triggered automation. And that's triggered either on an alert from a monitoring tool or on a, or on a ticket, for example, from the service now. And, and that, that triggered automation will do two things. It'll, one, create a dynamic map of the problem area you know, based on maybe a source and destination IP address. We talked about mapping the application flow. It'll do that, and it'll actually, in the case of our ServiceNow app, actually embed a dynamic map of NetBrain inside of the ServiceNow ticket, so, so we enrich that ticket with the map. And the second thing that triggered automation does is, is runs a predefined runbook, or maybe a series of predefined runbooks we talked about for the diagnostic automation. And, and basically, those can be in the form of a known problem diagnosis. So we talked about, you know, maybe common issues that you have in your network, if there's a common issue, you should have a common diagnostic to check that issue, and that common diagnostic should be created in the form of a runbook. And that runbook can then be triggered by automation at the moment uh, a ticket is created. So again, before a human engineer even opens the ticket, there's already been a map created of the problem area. There's already been a runbook that's checking for top X uh, you know, known problems. And so even if the, the known problem isn't identified, you can immediately rule out right, a, a series of things, potentially saving yourself hours of time. Think about that again. That, that that I like I talked about at the beginning. That that hour of work, just just doing that basic triage right there. That's you know always should be automated, right? Uh, draw draw that path for me in real time. You know, hop by hop. I mean, check NAT tables, check policy based routing. I mean, make this an accurate path by uh, you know path uh, hop by hop uh, a path rather, and then also do some basic diagnostics for me. So verify that the wires clean. Check the uh, devices for for uh, performance issues, and then you know it, it, we can we can trigger off of additional things, especially with the service now integration. So let's say you you put in the keyword multicast, or there's some type or video uh, uh, performance issue. We could say, hey, it's a video 
issue. Let's let's do our QoS uh, verification runbook. Let's do our multicast uh, design verification runbook uh, on top of that verifying that the, the wire is clean and there's no CPU and memory issues. So now when, when that, that engineer finally arrives at the ticket, uh, you, know, you have this range of data, all of this initial triage has been performed. Maybe the issue is, is already apparent, but if nothing else, that, that's an enormous amount of time has been saved. And then that engineer can then continue investigating and, and, and continue to leverage automation in the sense that you're pushing a button to, to scrape another dozen command outputs across you know six or seven devices and so on. Yeah. Yeah. The, the the trigger there and the processes that happen are things that because I know my workflow, I've invested the time into NetBrain as a platform to automate yeah. those things for me. It, it it is a tool that again, you've been using the example of ServiceNow since you have a ServiceNow integration. Okay, ServiceNow ticket comes in, uh, NetBrain sees that, it parses the ticket, oops, some keywords, and then based on those keywords, it can run a series of runbooks. Now, as an engineer, the I finally notice that there's a ticket in my queue. I take a look at it. NetBrain's already gathered all of this stuff for me, and I can immediately look at what NetBrain has gathered, and then I, I got a bunch of information at my fingertips that I don't have to go get. It's there. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Mm. And, and, but you did say one thing that's very important, uh, and it's a good observation, is that NetBrain is a platform for automation. We do not claim to have all these automations built in, and that's because every network is unique, and every you know, and there's thousands of possible problems any any one network can have. So, so there's a really important you know mind frame and methodology that our customers are, are adapting, and in fact need to adapt to, to realize the full value of of this type of automation. And you know, we talked about sharing knowledge, uh, shifting those workloads to the left. So. When we, whenever a problem actually goes through from from you know from detection to resolution, it might still take four hours. Maybe NetBrain automation was only able to help so much. But at the end of that four hours, there should be a lesson learned, right? Typically, teams have this post mortem review to discuss how can we do better next time. This is an opportunity to improve and iterate upon NetBrain automation. And we use those postmortems to create what we call as proactive automation. What are the types of things you're doing in that postmortem now with NetBrain? You're creating those runbooks, you're updating those runbooks, you're tweaking the golden baselines, you're, you're configuring the parameters within that trigger uh, in this example of ServiceNow to make sure that the next time a similar problem happens, it's triggering the new enriched enhanced runbook. So this is a continuous feedback loop from problem detection to problem resolution to the next time a problem is detected that you know, when this methodology is adopted, that you see actually mean time to repair continuously being reduced. Because uh, again, mean is mean is an average. So you, in order to reduce an average, you have to have this kind of attitude towards continuous improvement. And and this is kind of the methodology we talk about with our customers to do that, which is adopting a a, a best practice to continuously improve the automation in house. And, and just to add one thing, I mean, just the, the, the think about why we're wanting to automate things. It's it's the same. It doesn't matter whether you're provisioning a, a new piece of gear or you're doing day day two operations or or you're you know building a car in a factory, right? And and it, it, the reason we automate is is for a few things. We we automate, of course, to to, to have more efficient uh, process. We automate obviously for speed. If we can if we can resolve that uh, issue uh, quicker and, and drive down MTTR, that's a positive. And, and we do this uh, to be safer, right? And by safer, I don't mean just in the sense that we're pushing out a change in a safe manner, but we're, we're doing our diagnosis in a safe way. In other words, we're not we're not forgetting a, a diagnostic command or necessary step in the rush to resolve the problem, right? Uh, and, and also, lastly, it's consistent and predictable outcomes. So if I if I have a playbook that, hey, if I were to run through these diagnostic steps, I'm going to know yes or no to this thing to move on to the next, you know, flowchart in my troubleshooting. But every time I do this, I'm going to get consistent and predictable outcomes. Then th that's obviously preferred to, hmm. you know, an ad hoc uh, a method of, of troubleshooting. What I like about this approach is you're working in with what people do today. 
there's a certain number of automation products or SDM products that force you to come in, buy a whole bunch of new stuff, deploy it, and then put this software on top, and then you have to fit in with their software. One of the yeah. things I like about NetBrain is you're saying, I can put this in on top of what I do today. I can replace my, I can do some of the work that exists in my run books or in my processes, you know, mm-hmm. down the front there on the help desk is somebody who goes like show IP interface and does some basic checks. You're effectively helping them work through that type of stuff or even yeah. pre-doing it for them because you can read from the network. You can't, you don't write to the network. You read from the network. So you're accelerating the existing processes you're, and you're not actually forcing customers to transform or you know, to, to change the way they work. You're sliding this into the existing processes. Is that right? Exactly. We do just a, as a small point of clarification, we do write to the network with a, spe- with a special NetBrain module, our, our change management module. But mm. but you're absolutely right. The focus of this conversation is on the, the, the data pull, the diagnostic. Mm. And one of our core tenants is exactly as you said it, Greg, which is to integrate with the customer's existing workflows. And, and we understand mm. what that workflow is. We've talked about kind of how, how problems go through this this incident uh, life cycle but then the other side is what tools are they using so we've talked about the CLI we're talking about monitoring yeah. tools service service now so we we even have a netbrain version of a CLI where customers can can use our CLI and by do, you know there's a special button in our CLI called document to netbrain and the mm-hmm. output of that CLI then goes to NetBrain, documents the CLI output, and then automatically parses all those different data variables from it. So the reason I use that example is because we're integrating with their existing workflows, exactly as you said it. Yeah, yeah. One point, uh, something you said that was interesting, uh, Greg. So, so uh, again, we, we refer to what we do as, as network-aware automation. So rather than... Um, I suppose something like Ansible or, or, you know, some of these vendor specific tools that are, you know, akin to complex scripting, you know, kind of write once, use once device based automation uh, uh, mechanisms, uh, maybe built, you know, for DevOps, uh, you know, maybe have, you know, 5% uh, of problems can be solved with very limited use cases. We, we, on the other hand, we, we, you know, automate across the abstracted network. So we, we, we have automation that can be used by anyone. Uh, it, it's, it's built for all of NetOps. It, it can it solve a very wide range of, of, of problems because it's very, open-ended it's very uh, adapted uh, you know adaptive so it's you know it's it's more network aware automation versus device specific automation now we've talked about this information gathering we've been really focused on that flavor of automation how we do that mentioned three kinds of uh, automation triggered and the interactive and the proactive what you do at the end okay so i've figured out what the problem is netbrain has helped me does NetBrain also help me fix the problem in some way? Like, can I push code out or am I, you know, mm-hmm. oh, I now know that the problem is someone borked the QoS paragraph on this router and I got to go in there and reapply it and I log in and kind of do it by hand. Yeah, so that's that's a good point, um, Ethan. So that's kind of the last phase, detect, identify, and fix. Now we're moving on to the fix phase where we've identified the root cause. And, and this is where, uh, you know, again, we look to, like Greg mentioned, integrate with the customer's existing workflow. If they have a very... Uh, predefined process of making any change to their network, we integrate with that process and we have a change mm-hmm. management module which can do that and, and you can integrate that into your change approval workflow. Um, and so this is a special type of runbook. We've talked about a NetBrain runbook, but our change our change runbook is a unique runbook. And so it has this, this execute uh, step, you know, where you're pushing changes. And it, but, but very critically, NetBrain it has a, 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 snap, a step before that, which is take a snapshot of the network before the change there's a critical step after that push called take a snapshot after, call that a benchmark. And then at the end, you compare those two, the before and after. So you, uh, you're you basically comparing before and after the change to validate the effic- efficacy of that change. And, and then within that change window, you know, we have all these diagnostic automation capabilities we've been talking about for the last half hour. Um, you can augment your change, you know, your, your change workflow with with checks, you know, belts and suspenders. So 
we know application flows. Maybe you want to verify, you know, your top five critical applications are unimpacted by that change. So you can add uh, diagnostic verifications at, within your change window in our in our runbook to, to verify those application flows. And there's a, a bunch of different types of things. And the, the goal there is, yes, pushing out the change fast, but more importantly, making sure that that, cha- that change is safe and doesn't, mm, doesn't cause an, yeah. another outage. Yeah, well, that's the advantage of, of automating the runbook part is that, um, the work of data gathering and data preparation and the process that goes through, you know, a tr- the, the event response happens consistently over a period of time. And yeah. that makes it easier for the help desk to get it right. You know, new people come and go from the help desk fairly rapidly sometimes and having the run books and the, the processes there in place to do it repeatedly saves an awful amount of time for your level two, level three engineers because you know that you're getting the same thing every time. Yeah, it's a huge time saver, and it also builds in, you know, QA, so quality assurance into it, right? So, you know, I work for a company where we had, you know, we had a dedicated QA team. We actually had to have network engineers permanently on that QA team to work along with the the, the application QA people. And anytime we had to do a change, we would all have to get together and determine ahead of time, hey, what's going to be impacted and potentially, and and what what checks do we need to run afterwards just to number one, uh, you know, ver- validate the impact of the change, and 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 number two verify that the change was successful, that it resolved the issue, right? And so this was a whole process. So so just ima- imagine being able to build some of that process or all of that process into the change itself. So now when we do this remediation, we we integrate automatically with yeah. existing approval process. Uh, we, we validate impact of the change with these before-after okay. benchmarks. And then we can verify uh, change success in the sense that the, the issue has been been resolved by, by additional automated diagnostic checks. So this is something that you're, you're essentially building in a QA team into the uh, change change management piece. I was laughing there a little bit because I was reminded of some of the various change control processes that I've been a part of in different organizations I've worked with over the years. Uh, There was one company where there was a very formal change control process that would really slow things down. So every once in a while, my boss would refine the change control process. He'd look around (laughs) make sure no one else is looking, look at me and go, don't screw it up. <laughs> in other words, that was his green light for me just to go for it, but but don't screw it up because no one can know that this has just happened. <laughs> exactly. There's always that temptation because you're you're right. I mean, these QA processes can be very convoluted and 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 you know definitely not agile, right? So if there's a way we can build in some more agility into our org to to be able to you know do change management, uh, all the better. Right? Mm-hmm. So how how large of a network do you guys work on? I mean, if I've got you know a, an average enterprise network with maybe you know a hundred or a few hundred network devices, that's pretty manageable from from most platforms these days. But some mm-hmm. some shops really scale very big. So can you give us some examples of the kind of folks you work with? Well, yeah. I mean, the thing about automation is if you have a small network, you know, the need for automation decreases. So we you know we work with the world's the world's largest networks, and 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 you know I think the largest single deployment of NetBrain would cover somewhere between seventy and eighty thousand network devices. I'm not talking end systems, router switches, firewalls. Eighty thousand network devices, um, you know, globally. So um, large financial institutions, uh, very large managed service providers. Um, th- these are our largest, you know, largest customers in the world. So about one third of the top uh, Fortune 100 companies are our customers using NetBrain automation, and and that's exactly where we're focused because we think that the larger the network, the more complex the network, uh, and also these are the folks that are really pushing the boundaries of technology adoption, and so that's where the the complexity comes in. Um, so yeah, so so the ability for an, an automation solution to scale is is critical, and we've invested a lot of innovations over there to to have a a, a scalable platform. 
Not, not to dismiss the smaller shops, though, because you would work with those. I mean, there's there's a use cases there. Are you suggesting that, you know, maybe NetBrain's overkill if I'm a shop that's just, you know, oh, you know, a dozen remote offices and, uh, you know, or something like that? It's probably, yeah, no, it's not overkill. I would say the we, we talked about these two values of, of NetBrain, the visibility and the automation, and, and smaller shops have the need to remain maintain accurate documentation, improve visibility. And, of course, they're trying to, to do a lot of the things we're talking about today, troubleshoot better. So, uh this is not limited to to large enterprise networks, but I think the larger the network, um, customers will probably find the pain gets a lot larger. Yeah, and even even a dozen remote offices can be be complexity that that can definitely be some pain. So I, I you know I, I think that's 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 definitely a valid valid use case for automation. Absolutely. I think another aspect of this, just to sort of, as I'm as my brain catches up with myself as I've been thinking through where you've been talking, is that you're also able to bring together multiple parts of the network. So you're equally able to operate on a Wi-Fi as you are on a campus, as you are yeah. on the data center, as you are on a WAN or an SD-WAN. And if yeah. you've got multiple SD-WANs or multiple campus networks, and maybe you've got some DNA or whatever, your, yeah. your solution sort of sits over the top of all of those and sort of provides a unification element, I guess. Yeah, because I think, and that's and that's critical. That's a good point, Craig. Because again, when you're I, I only make good points. So <laughs> I shouldn't. I shouldn't have to point it out. <laughs> but isn't it true though? When when there's a problem, you don't know what part of the network the problem is on. If it's the campus, the LAN, the WAN, yeah. the data center. Yeah. So so in order to to realize the value of what we've been discussing, uh, the solution has to wrap end to end. So we talk about end to end visibility and automation, and the and it pushes into now the, the public cloud. So we're we're doing a lot of innovation over there to move into AWS and Azure, where where there's a lot of finger pointing going on, right? And how can we how can we reduce that finger pointing and instead get teams working together? Yeah, it's mostly AWS pointing the finger back at you. <laughs> <There's some of that. laughs> it's actually one in bronze, and it's a statue. Just points back at you. It doesn't have to change. It doesn't get pointed particularly. It's just always your fault, really, because there's no other way it's going to be professional finger pointer. Yeah. Yeah, I just I I think that's important because you know, with so many of us at this at this point in time, are looking at you know deploying SD WAN. We've got salespeople doorstepping us to say you should be buying a software to find campus, and you're going like, why would I spend that much money just to do? make all this complexity. It doesn't do anything for me. We've got Wi-Fi 6. So you're looking, you know, do you do a software-defined campus and do Wi-Fi 6 or do you just, you know, Wi-Fi 6, that part of the network that needs, you know, no, nobody needs Wi-Fi 6. It still you know, isn't that much in it. But, you know, okay, maybe you're making some changes in the data center and you've got NSX on top of some sort of underlay. Maybe you've got some, you know, Dell switches running their fabric manager and you don't, you know, the, the point is, is that all of these different solutions are a reality. Most of us don't have a unified thing underneath. And you've, you've got yeah. to think about how you bring together, you know, the DNS server might be in the data center, but your Wi-Fi might be in the campus network. The two go together. Right. And so what's important here, because there's so much complexity, is to have a, a framework of a, of a solution that can scale to all of these different use cases and edge cases and, and do that in a way that's that's agile and adaptive. And again, we've talk, we call it never an adaptive automation because we won't have all the capability for every single vendor, uh, edge case, data point, technology out of the box. Although, by the way, we do have of the vast majority, but they're always coming online. So the framework and the, and the platform has to be able to adapt to all of those edge cases. And that's that's mm. that's what we've yeah. built. Like you noted, the networks more and more are becoming these these hybrid networks. And well, in fact, even going back, uh, you know, before SDN, I mean, networks were always kind of a Frankenstein network, right? You'd you'd come into 
you know, an organization. And then maybe that organization just acquired another company. And hey, I don't know why, but this other company is running OSPF across all their WAN links between all their sites. And every time one site has an issue, it flaps it as they reconverge for all the sites. Bad design. Let's convert to BGP. But in the meanwhile, I still have to have some visibility of this, you know, this this Frankenstein environment that I'm that I'm stuck with, which mm -hmm. we're all stuck with, right? I mean, these things networks are never greenfield unless you get really really lucky. So it's it's a combination of things cobbled together. They're always evolving. You're, you're rolling out new technologies, and 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 I have to have some way to abstract management plane, some some way to do you know like a management plane overlay, so I can I can visualize all this and do something with all of this, and and I know end to end, I I I I know how this traffic is flowing, and 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 what operations are are being enacted on it, hop by hop. So I I have to have that that visibility and that capability. All right, gentlemen, we've gotten into the weeds here on the capabilities of the NetBain product in the very best ways. This has been a fantastic conversation. But now I want stories because surely if you guys are working with Fortune 100s and people all over the world, you've got some interesting examples here of uh, of the miraculous uh, benefits that NetBrain has brought to these different <laughs> folks. But seriously, I do want to hear some interesting stories. So share what you got. Mm. Yes, I'll take it from two sides. One, I have a, a story that kind of highlights the challenge that we're up against. Um, and then I'll talk about some of the ways our customers are realizing the, the benefits. On the on the challenge side, I was at an event uh, in Las Vegas last month. No, it was in November. It doesn't matter. But uh, I talked to a large government agency. And, and this person I talked to let me know that they have 40,000 incidents every single week. Um, and a lot of these are critical incidents. And they're things that require uh, remediation, right, that we talked about. I asked her, what percentage of those 40,000 require a human to respond to? And she said, all of them. Uh, so f imagine people responding to 40,000 tickets every single week. Uh, she said she had a staff of about 250 engineers uh, on that task. Even then, that sounds daunting. So so this workflow, that life cycle of an incident that we've been spending the last uh, you know, 45 minutes or so talking about, this is something that's replicated in the largest companies maybe thousands of times every single day, but even if it's not you know, dozens of times a day. Um, and then the other story I would just argue, you know, not argue is a, a position is, um, you know, some of the ways our customers are, are getting the other side of that. So there's there's one customer, uh, I won't name the name, but a multinational conglomerate. Uh, so they're generating two tickets every 10 minutes uh, with their with their ITSM, which is spawning a NetBrain diagnosis, right? We talked about that at the top of the hour, integrating a, a ticket to, to generate a diagnosis of, of a map in a, in, a, in a runbook diagnosis. So one of our largest customers, they're doing you know two tickets every 10 minutes. So that's about 300 tickets addressed uh, with automation every 24 hours without even a, a human responding. So, so the value that's being realized there is, is, is huge. And as they're enriching their, their automation, that's, that's increasing over time. And then, you know, some of the some of the output of that, you know, some of our customers have this this goal to one of our customers in Europe has a goal to reduce mean time to repair from three hours to to what he said is 15 minutes. We, we, I was in the room with him and his entire staff <laughs> laughed at that. I mean, I'm actually. laughing as you just positioned that. That's ridiculous. <clears throat> they laughed. His entire staff laughed at that. But he was yeah. serious. Right. Well, I mean, it's an admirable goal. Right. And yeah. it's a good statement. And it's one of these things where you can. If people do say these things and sometimes they look a little silly when they say them, but it's an admirable goal because that's actually what you want. People ring in and say, you know, my laptop's not working. You want to fix that within 15 minutes if you can. Three right. hours is realistic, but, you know, whatever. 
Yeah, yeah and, and three, 15 minutes may be a stretch goal, but but the, the, the <laughs> point is, is if, hey, I, I'm starting with three hours, if I can chip away at all the time hogs that that, that are making up that three hours, I, I can definitely yeah. whittle that way down. Maybe maybe to 15 minutes, maybe not, but I, yeah. I'm definitely going to, you know. Yeah, let's face it, if you enormous. can get it down to one and a half hours, you're 50% uh, better than you, you know. Mm. And it depends anyway. on the nature of the, the business, right? Some businesses, you know, an hour of downtime costs, you know, a million dollars plus. So so mission critical, yeah. you know, depends on the nature of the yeah, business. Yeah, most businesses, uh, an hour's downtime is a million dollars plus but they don't do anything to actually stop the outages <laughs> that's right <laughs> but anyway that's a, i get your point right the point is is that that's his a goal and you feel you can support that at least in some way yeah with the framework and again it requires a lot of work from the customer too but but we provide a framework for them to be able to to put a vision in place to to address that uh you know with continuously mm-hmm. reducing that mean time to repair Well, all right. If you're out there listening and you've heard uh, the good folks at NetBrain explain their product and maybe you're interested, uh, Jason, can you tell them where they should go to find out more information? Yeah, I think the best thing, we created a landing page for your listeners, uh, www.netbraintech.com forward slash packet pushers. Uh, and so there's a there's an opportunity on there to read a white paper that, that in fact, our Chris Villame on the call here wrote. The white paper is called the Network Automation Architecture to to continuously reduce mean time to repair, very appropriate title for this uh, topic. So, so go visit that page. And then if you really want to dive in and maybe evaluate the, the solution, there's also an opportunity on that page to request a, a technical demo with our, with our sales engineering team. And, and we're actually going to run a promotion for your listeners. Uh, one out of every five demo requests on that page uh, will receive uh, a set of AirPods. So we're going to be doing a raffle uh, and raffling off a bunch of those as well. So that's, that's uh, where I would point you guys. Some salesperson at Apple just like they just got this little shock in the back of their head. They don't know why. We just sold a bunch of AirPods. I don't know what happened. <laughs> okay. So netbraintech.com slash packet pushers and uh, and and if you sign up for a demo, right, with the with the sales team, one in five out of you people listening are gonna get some AirPods. All right. All right, yeah. that is great. Fantastic, uh, gentlemen. That was uh, really a great show. Our thanks to you for, uh, f- you folks at NetBrain, our thanks to you for sponsoring Heavy Networking today. And if you're listening, th- that, that is how Packet Pushers works. Without our sponsors, we can't do what we do here at the Packet Pushers Podcast Network, helping you with your professional IT career development. And if you want more shows like this, search in your podcatcher for Packet Pushers. We have several different shows. You'll find Day 2 Cloud, IPv6 Buzz, Full Stack Journey, Network Break, Briefings in Brief. And all of those shows are hosted by folks with engineers experience and the hands-on experience and from all over the industry. Last but not least, remember that too much networking would never be enough.